Hey guys, it's Brian from the Dude What Movie Review Podcast. We are merely days away from Halloween, and we can't thank you guys enough for tuning in to our October programming this entire month as we prepare for the scariest of holidays. The episode you're about to hear was a side table discussion on the film Halloween Ends, the third and final installment in the new trilogy from Blumhouse Productions that continued the story from John Carpenter's 1978 classic, Halloween, featuring evil friend of the show, Mike Myers. Yeah, baby! I mean, Michael Myers. This episode originally aired November 7th, 2022 in the holiday run of shows of season two and it turned out to be a very in-depth and fun chat about the divisive film and we're bringing it back from the archive for you again just in time for Halloween. So open up your trick-or-treat bag as Dude What hands out some more spooky entertainment from our vault. Enjoy. guys this is brian this is jim we are bringing you a special edition of our show we're bringing you a side table discussion a little late after halloween we tried to get it around halloween but here it is now for you guys yeah i have a feeling there might be a little bit of a language warning on this one you think so let's just go ahead and put it on there okay language warning for this episode we're gonna be talking about some spooky scary stuff and there's gonna be some four-letter words flying we're gonna have some fun though and we want you guys to just sit back and enjoy are you not entertained is this not why you were here? I just want to watch my movie. I just want to watch my movie, Jim. Jim, we're a little late to the party on this one, but that's okay. It's all right. It's all right. It's fine. Usually I ask you, hey, Jim, you seen any good movies lately? But I'm going to ask you specifically. <laughs> Jim, have you seen Halloween Ends lately? Yes, I have. <laughs> okay, we're going to get into this because <laughs> my wife and I went and saw it last night. We had date night. We got to get out of the house, and it was a lot of fun. You've already seen this film. You saw it, <laughs> like, what, a week ago? I saw it, like, right before Halloween. Right, right. But you were, like, I had, deep in the Halloween edit. Yeah, I had uh, the Halloween edit going on with our Halloween special, which, uh, if you guys listen to that, thank you so much. I yeah. mean, we had a blast for that. I think it turned out really well, honestly. I think so, too. We'll link in the, sh- in the show notes Absolutely. too. So. Absolutely, absolutely. But we wanted to do this side table for Halloween ends as a one-two tangent for the special for Halloween, but we just never had time, never got around to it. Yeah. We finally got to go see it. You had already seen it. I know you have opinions. <laughs> I'm going to have opinions. We're going to see where this is going. This is going to be a lot of fun. Jim Miller, initial thoughts on Halloween ends, go. Well, so when I went and saw it here in the Evansville area, we have a... A local theater called Showplace Cinemas. Yeah. Which one did you go to? The East Side one? East over Side, off Morgan? Yeah. yeah. So on Tuesdays, not everybody knows about it, I guess, but oh. uh, on Tuesdays, they have $5 movies. Oh. Like all day long. Okay. Ooh. Okay. So yeah, it's one of those things where you can see any movie for five bucks that, that's showing. Nice. On Tuesday. So I don't get to go very often. Right. And... Part of the negotiating I did with my wife was like, I'll go on Tuesday night. <laughs> I'll go on Tuesday night. Good for the budget. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like I overspent. Damn! Okay. <laughs> Here we go. Um, I have a lot of thoughts about okay. this movie. All right. I feel kind of guilty for even having thoughts about it. Being as I was so late to the Michael Myers train. <laughs> it's true. That's true. You're like literally, what, like two years? Two years Three in. years yeah. on yeah. the Michael Myers train? So basically... Mike know, Myers to you? Yeah, Mike Myers, yeah. Yeah, baby! You know, our first Halloween episode that we had done, we like the big reveal yeah. that I had never seen Halloween. Right. Rectified that. 
immediately. Yeah, within the next calendar year. Yeah, yeah we actually yeah. covered it on the second Halloween special. Yeah, and so and then that's when the the new reboot, if you will, was coming out. Right. Not so much a reboot as a continuation, continuation yeah. of the original, mm-hmm. right? Which, if you guys haven't seen it, you know, like we've discussed on the show, actually, the newer run of the Halloween films, this little trilogy that has come out, it basically picks up after the original, original John Carpenter classic Halloween. What was that, 1978, 77, something, something like, like that? that yeah. yeah. So it basically skipped part two, part three, part 28, part 57, it skipped past all that and said, okay, this is your new sequel. And that's yeah. where the new trilogy starts. Which, did we put a spoiler alert on this? I mean, I, I think it's kind of a given, but... Spoiler alert. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's a side table. We're talking about Halloween ends. And look, let's be honest. It's past Halloween. If you haven't seen it, yeah, that's kind of on you. Yeah. But anyway, spoiler alert. And I mean, sure. if we're really honest, like the title kind of gives away a, a little, little bit. bit of a spoiler. So, yeah, a little uh, bit. <laughs> you know, this reboot where Blumhouse has kind of come in and they've they put their touch on it. Yeah. Gritty. First one was really good. Which I um, noticed in the credits. I didn't pick up on it until the second Halloween movie in this run. They had a, a staff of writers for this, like three or four people. One of the people, Danny McBride, did yes, not know I, well, that. Well, I did notice that. Yeah, I was like, I was like, wow. I was like, really? Okay. okay. Yeah. So he's had his hand in right. that. You don't think of him as a as a writer as much as you right. do a comedy guy, right? But, um, seeing his name and stuff attached to it was kind of a kind of wild, kind of yeah, trippy. It was first of the trilogy, really great. The second one, dude, blew me away. Yeah. Like it was one of those that, and I think maybe that is. Part of what <laughs> I had really high expectations because of the second one. Okay. For this one. Okay. Okay. I knew they were rounding it out. Of course, I was like, how are they going to round it out? Because the way the second one ended could have been the end. That's fair. It could have been. Like the way the build, everything that was building yeah. up to it. And then so you're coming into your final movie yeah. of this trilogy. And I was like, okay, how are they going to do this? I understand. I will say, I'm going to step out and say, I understand from a business decision and from a storytelling piece, yeah. the reason why they did what they did. Okay. I understand that. As a viewer coming to be entertained and watch Mike Myers. A sphincter says what? <laughs> no, watch Michael going around slashing bodies, right? right? Was highly disappointed. Okay. Okay, I understand why they did what they did, and I understand why they're doing it for the franchise. Like I, I get what they're going, yeah. what they're doing, but I went in with a different expectation. You went in with a Michael Myers rampage expectation, right? Based off of what you saw in the first two films of this run. Yes. Okay, I can understand why you would be upset with the film. I understand why you would be a little let down because of that, because you don't truly get that. You get that in, in doses. In the film. Yeah. You get it in doses. Yeah. But it's not the full-on Michael Myers experience like you're used to in the first two. I can understand that. But (laughs) this is where I push back. Bring it on. (laughs) I enjoyed the film. I really did enjoy the film from the storytelling aspect because ultimately that's what it boils down to. It boils down to what's your story. And the story is this little town is still feeling the effects of Michael Myers. And this is what happens whenever the town loses all sense of its identity because of Michael Myers. And they're looking to blame someone. Who do they look to blame? They look to blame Laurie Strode. They look to blame Corey. 
they're looking for people to blame because Michael Myers is nowhere to be found. He's gone four years. Yeah. You know, he, he breaks out in the first film, goes on this rampage. You think he's dead. He comes back. He disappears. And so now the town still has this high level of anxiety. They want to blame someone. They have to blame someone. Because there's still so much pain that they're feeling because of Michael Myers. Yeah. And you see the effects of it in that opening shot, the the opening of the film with that little cat and mouse hide and seek that's being played between Corey and the kid he's babysitting. Well, and you I, see and the, the fear and you see the anxiety that has built up because at that point, you're only a year removed from Michael Myers disappearing. Right. And so you see that anxiety. You see the fear. You see the how scared Corey is. Whenever he's put into this situation, and this kid's just like laughing in his face. Yeah, I, so I will say, man, that entire opening sequence—it's crazy. It was good. Yeah, it sucked you in yeah. immediately. I was like, okay, wonder where they're going with that. Well, I liked it because of the misdirection of it, because you feel like the way it's setting up, because that you know it's a year removed, and the way they're setting it up, it feels like Michael Myers is there, right? Like they were going to have a repeat, right? Like this is where it's going to kick off another rampage of Michael Myers, yeah. But that's not the case. It's just this kid mocking the hell out of Corey. Right. And holy shit, man. Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude. And it just even the way, like, yeah, the way all of it happened where, you know, parents got home and then he's just the whole thing, you know. And so, yeah, I mean, that, it, it made sense. Yeah. Okay. And then the, the fact that he's being mocked. And I, I saw early on, though, with that, I go, okay, he's going to become Michael Myers, basically. Yeah. Like, I mean, they well, kind of plant that seed early, and they right. they don't really hide the ball much with it, I don't feel like. Well, I and you're right. Yeah, they you know that's where they're going with it. What I appreciated about the writing in that regard is, even though you know that's what they're heading to, you still see all the rough edges that go along with it with Allison and where her mindset is at, because she's not seeing him as an evil entity. Right. She's seeing him as another part of the tragic Michael Myers tale in Haddonfield. He's collateral damage because of it. Right. And so she sees him on the same field that she's on. What, you know, they have that one scene where he's basically like, you know, they see you as a hero. You're a survivor. Yeah. You know, I'm the freak. I'm the child killer is what I am. But the truth of the matter is, under that, there's like this level of darkness that's there. But the reason why I like the writing on it is because that scene where Lori is at the bar and the kid that got killed by Corey at the beginning of the film accidentally, the dad, he's shooting pool and right. talking to Lori. And they had this back and forth talking about, I know that the nice kid that used to cut my yard didn't kill my son. Right. But the guy I saw the other day, that's not him. That's not him. You know, and he poses the question, was the darkness always there or did Haddonfield do that to him? And so that's what I liked about it because framing it in that light with what happens at the beginning of the film in the hysteria, one year removed from the Michael Myers tragedies. Right. And then going forward and you see the de-evolution of Corey, with regard to how he's treated in this town because of what happened in this one isolated incident. And it all comes full circle. That's what I like seeing about it, you know? And even though you do know, you know he, he's going to be, quote-unquote, Michael Myers as the film goes on. Right. Was he pushed to that? Was it always there? We don't know. And so that's why I enjoyed watching it, because it's kind of like the, the, the idea of if you tell someone something... So many times, like if you tell someone they're a piece of shit so many times, eventually they start to believe it. Well, sure. 
And so that's where Corey's mindset is at. We, we, we all are a product of our environment. Right? right. And all of that that you've just put out there, I'm 100% in agreement with. The story element, everything that was being told was great. It, what fell apart for me and what began to unravel was the interactions between him and Michael Myers. Oh, see, that's what I, and, I like that, And this that, idea though. of Michael Myers kind of training him and teaching him to – I just I, – I don't know. I think maybe it's just because, again, you, I have this mindset of, okay, this is Michael Myers. He can't be killed. He's the boogeyman. He's all these things, right? And the fact that he's being wrestled down by this, this wimpy little kid – Basically, I mean, this, he's not a kid, I guess, but, you know, in the sewer area, and it's been four years. So it's not like, has he, you know, if he's been living for these last four years and hiding, like, surely he's had some sort of strength, right? To be able to fight off a teenage kid who's been beaten up and, and dropped from a bridge and all this stuff. So uh, that element, I can understand Corey being pushed to killing. But I think him bringing Michael Myers out of retirement kind of thing, I know what they were doing. I understand why they were doing it, okay? It all's tied off at a, with a nice little bow at the very end. But you just didn't like it. Right. Well, <laughs> that's, I just, that's, yeah. It's one of those things, like, you just didn't like it. Yeah, it, it did not feel like a Halloween movie. Okay. More so because he did don the mask, and he did put the mask on. He did do those things. I think there could have been a different way of, of doing it where almost a misdirection and Corey kind of gets this taste for killing the homeless guy, whatever. Yes, maybe he saw Michael Myers. But I think that's where, for me, it's like it was after he saw Michael Myers that he embraced the darkness. And it's like, okay, so now you're telling us that there's this way for evil to transcend through Michael Myers. Like he's putting a spell on you. Well, I kind of feel like that's was kind of the underlying vibe that they were going for with the voiceover work of Lori writing her book. That's kind of the idea. I mean, in my head, it's like through her writing and the overlying tone that you get in all the Michael Myers films, it, you know, you go back to the beginning, listening to Dr. Loomis, the way he talks about, you know, Michael Myers. And then even in like the Rob Zombie remakes, the way uh, Dr. Loomis played by Malcolm McDowell, how he talks about Michael Myers. It's pure evil. Those are the eyes of evil behind those eyes is nothing. It's just pure evil. This is the face of evil. And that's this idea. And so, as an audience member watching these films, especially at this new run of this trilogy, this is what you have in your head. This is the face of evil. And how right. can you stop evil? Right. Because he keeps coming back. He right. keeps coming back. And Lori Strode, she saw this. She knew this. But with this final installment in the trilogy, you get a sense that Lori has come around to the thinking that this was her boogeyman. This was her evil. Right. Evil isn't just Michael Myers. Evil is evil. Yes. And so the idea that, like you said, it, it, it transcends and it, it transforms and, it, and it, 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 it's ever flowing. Evil is ever flowing. It can go from one vessel to another vessel. And seeing that, that interaction between the two, it's almost like it's a kindred spirit kind of thing. Seeing Michael Myers and Corey have that interaction. You know, the, just the eyes, the deadness in the eyes. Right. I like that from a storytelling standpoint because it is this idea and I get it what you're saying. You know, it's this idea that he brought Michael Myers out of retirement and, you know, this whole thing, you yeah, know, he's I, training him. I, I get that. I can see where that would be kind of like, eh, what is that? But at the same time, I also just look at it as one traveler on the, the road of evil sharing the limelight, so to speak with another traveler on the road of evil. 
that he recognized that like this kid has finally been pushed to that point. This is where Corey is at now. This is Corey's life. The Corey has made that conscious decision because this is where he's at. That final crack that was just it was a hairline crack. Mm-hmm. And those kids beating him up and throwing him off the bridge like that, that was the final straw. That that was the final crack in the veneer that he had plastered on his face for so long to try and just get by in this town that he lives in. Right. Once that's stripped away, I mean, and you see it in the in the regard of how he's drawn to the mask, you know, the scarecrow mask right. that he wore, wore to the party. And then after he, he and Allison spend the night together and he sees the mask there and he has he has this idea, he has this thought, he knows what he wants. He needs the mask. The mask is a quote unquote, a sense of power. I mean, you see Michael Myers struggling to keep the mask on. Right. Even whenever Laurie is trying to rip the mask away from him, the mask is so goddamn important to him because it's a way to contain the evil. It's a way to, to protect him. Sure. And it, I mean, it, he, he's putting on a different persona, right. right? I mean, yeah, that's why we all wear masks. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't disagree with all of that. Yeah. I think for me, I appreciate the way they ended it. I understand like with Lori writing her book and the way evil takes different forms and all yeah. of this. They're sowing the seed for a new franchise of, Michael, of Halloween, right, with Michael Myers. Like, I know that. I know in the long term, they have set it up in such a way that someone else can take up that mantle. And it's kind of like by giving it over to Corey and letting him do that, letting us see someone yeah. else. I understand why they did it. I just don't like that they did it. <laughs> I, I I wish instead, Corey, it would have been something more where, yes, he goes down that path of starting to enact vengeance upon people that have caused him harm. Well, right? and you see that, though. And, and doing that, bringing Michael Myers, like that part, the watching Michael Myers while he's doing it and stuff like that. And Michael Myers is kind of like looking at him while he's stabbing. You know, like for me, those things <laughs> on, I'm on like. The, on the job training. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, it almost would have been better to have this, this whole storyline of Corey doing things, but then there's these other bodies starting to show up. So it's like, is it someone else or is it Michael Myers? Right. You know, and having that kind of not knowing, and then they both end up meeting at the end where, you know, Michael Myers goes ahead and takes care of things at that point. I don't know. I just, again, I get what they're doing. I appreciate what they're doing from that storytelling piece. I just didn't like it. (laughs) I just didn't like it. And I felt in some ways, not that it was cheesy, because it's a freaking horror, like, slasher movie anyway. I think that they set the bar so far freaking high <laughs> with the second one yeah this last one left me going Bleh. well i can see that if you have the expectation of continuing to ride the high but you got to look at it as one all-encompassing story and if it's a one all-encompassing story you can't ride a high the whole entire time because you'll exhaust your viewer you exhaust your you know if it's a book you'll exhaust the reader sure. you have to have Peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys. And that was a very big peak in part two, the way they left it off. Right. And so you had nowhere to go but down and rebuild back up. And I think that's what the whole idea of having this alternate story with Corey and his whole process and his whole life and seeing essentially the after effects of Michael Myers and the curse of Haddonfield, what that has done to this one kid. Just basically this hopeful kid, this one instance out of hysteria 
and it's just reduced him to ash and he's having to rise back up and and you see him slowly starting to build starting to build and then he has that interaction with the mom in the bar and it's just knocked right back down yeah so any hope of him having any kind of normal life he feels he's lost it it's gone and so the, having this as the final installment of this story run this was the valley that needed to happen to build and build up to that interaction between Laurie and Michael Myers in the final scenes. I don't know. I just, from a storytelling standpoint, I appreciate it because it didn't continue doing the same thing that it did with the first two. The first two are one, a one B. I mean, all that shit happens in the same night, right? It's all runs together. It's like you could literally like do a super cut where you cut the, the end and the, the intro <laughs> from both movies together and just have it as one big ass movie. Right. You know, it'd be like right. a four hour movie. Yeah. And then well, I guess that's kind of where, so because Halloween, the newer one picks up where the original left off. Yeah. I almost feel like that's your trilogy that the second one in this installment, that's your trilogy. You could have ended it the way they ended it with the whole town. That's how they should have ended the second one. I, I can and see. And then yes. Yes. if you wanted to do a reboot, Someone is inspired, like, because I know what's probably most likely is going to happen. Someone's going to read Lori's book and be inspired right. to be a copycat in another town. That's okay. my thought. Question is, why would anybody have a Michael Myers mask? <laughs> Which who, is actually who, a William Shatner mask. Yeah, who who is out there more modern that would somewhat f- be a terrifying mask like a William Shatner painted white. <laughs> well, I can think of one, but please don't say it. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. John C. I was thinking of something a little more orange adult. Wrong. I want to bring the whole rating down here on our show. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I could easily see that being like, you know, someone taking that and being inspired by the reading and or, right. I don't know, like uh, they definitely laid the groundwork for the future. They have things that they can do with yeah. this. Yes. I, I do get what you're saying from a, from a storytelling, from a beat standpoint, you yes. need to have that kind of that breath. Uh, thinking about that now that you said it out loud. Yeah. You definitely could have taken Halloween and Halloween kills and just added those to the original one, just made that your trilogy and just end the second one, the way they ended the third one. Yeah. And that could have been, you know, tied into the original, original Halloween you know, just do a re-release of the original Halloween and yeah. then release the other ones all together. And then that's your trilogy. I can see that. Yeah. Because the the story of Corey, to me, that is how you would start a new, right. a new trilogy. Yeah. Right? I, yeah. No, I can see that. I can see that. But I think they use that as a vehicle to drive the storyline of the hysteria in Haddonfield. They use the, the whole Corey storyline as a means to drive... That part of the the storytelling, which is this overarching hysteria that has enveloped Haddonfield for, what, 30, 40 years? And so using that as a vehicle to drive to the end of the film where, yes, look, town, this is Michael Myers' body. He is dead. The curse is gone. Right. It's over. You don't have to be afraid anymore. You don't have to be anxious. We don't have to talk about this anymore. It's done. And so seeing that, at the end and being driven by the Corey storyline, I appreciate it from a storytelling standpoint, Yeah, but I can see your point saying, Hey, this could be a means to drive a new retelling of the story down the line. That isn't Michael Myers, but it's something else in the same vein. Right. I understand that. 
I mean, you're completely wrong. <laughs> no, but I get well, it, though. I get it, though. Yeah, and I think maybe... And, and they and, will. I think you're right. I think they will. Yeah. Really, if we pull back, what is the Halloween movies about? Death. <laughs> right. We we make it about Michael Myers. No, it's uh, the Halloween movies really are... Is, it's about perseverance of Laurie Strode. That's and what that, it's always been about. That's what I was going to say. That is where I think I fell victim to that as we're talking about it, just realizing that this was Lori's story. Yes. This was not about Michael Myers. No. And that, I think, is why I didn't like it. Because we have no, been programmed I, for generations now, uh, not like for, for a long time. Oh, for a very long time. Well, I mean, it's... Th- that it's about Michael Myers, it's, right? Look, it's no different than the Saw franchise. Why did Saw get put out every year for like eight years? Well, because of all the guts and gore and all that stuff. That's whatever. That's what brought people to the theater. They wanted to see all the creative ways that right. people were being killed by Jigsaw. But the truth of the matter is, the if you pull back and actually look at the story, it's just a very long, prolonged storytelling of one man's quest to point out the error of man, the folly of man, so right. to speak, right. and these torturous ways of putting people in front of a mirror and having them look at themselves. That's right. what the story is. Yeah. You know, why was this man driven to this point to do this? You see that over the evolution of the story. The only thing that they fucked up with on Saul was they gave him terminal brain cancer in the first goddamn movie. Right. That's where they screwed up. Right. Give us some time. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> see how the franchise does first before you just go and give your Kill main character yeah. a terminal brain cancer. Yeah. Right. <laughs> then you had to get really ultra creative and right. a little convoluted towards the end. Yeah. <laughs> fucking Tobin Bell is a national treasure Jesus Christ guys but it's the same thing with Halloween you know with Saw the Saw franchise you're conditioned with gore uh, guts creative deaths but what's the real story the yeah. story is Jigsaw's preaching so to speak yeah. what's the story of Halloween it's always been about Laurie Strode right it's always been about her fighting her boogeyman whatever that manifest itself to be and it's right. always been michael myers but we're all enthralled by the killing and the rampage right. because it's like yeah. how can this guy do all this right how he, how can a man so large and so big be so stealth like and so creepy and, and so, so unstoppable yeah. right yeah. you know and so we're drawn to that but that's not the story right it makes yeah. for great cinematography, especially like whenever you watch the first Halloween on this run, where you see these nice long one shots where he's going in and killing different people. Right. It's pretty awesome from a cinematic standpoint. Yes, that's great. But what's your story? Yeah. And we always talk about that on the show anyway. We well, bang that drum so many we times. We do. We do. And I think, again, we're talking about an icon, a horror icon. Right. Who happened to fall in love in our last right. little uh, <laughs> tournament of death. Finally. But <laughs> finally, <laughs> just a man looking for love and s'mores. Just looking for love in all I the wrong places. I think I just then. found the title of my autobiography, Love, love and S'mores. s'mores. <laughs> looking for love in all the wrong places. Uh, <laughs> but I think because we've been conditioned for that, right? Like right. We, we, well, forget, creates... we forget that horror movies... It scratches a weird, twisted itch within us. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yes. But there is a story to be told. Yes. And if you do it right, then, like, you know, the story will become the, the king of that. I don't know. It's Well, I think that's the reason why horror films overall, like that genre, mm-hmm. the films are a dime a dozen because of the fact that you can rely on certain horror tropes 
and things that get people to watch the film, but story is always to be damned. Right. That's the problem with horror films, right? Because yeah. they are so dime a dozen, because all it is is just slasher flicks yeah. for the most part. But until you start actually giving some story and some some grit and some background and some depth, until you do that, you are just writing a slasher flick. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. So I think Blumhouse did it right on that. I think so. Because I think I, so. I, they, they are more focused on story. I, yeah. Like, they got the grit, they got all the, the cinematography and all that, but, like, it's it's more about the story for them. And I feel like they did that. I mean, this is Lori's story about her fears and her, like, her evolution, if you will. Yeah. And I enjoyed that one-two punch, two parts of the storyline that were running parallel. You see it with Corey when he goes to the bar and he finally takes the mask off. He right. finally lets loose and he's finally having a good time and he's got a smile back on his face. He's like, I can do this. And then what happens? He happens to run into the mom at the bar, and she knocks him right back down off that hill. Right. Follow it up the next scene. Lori's at the grocery store. She runs into the sheriff that right. used to be a sheriff, and they have that interaction, and they have this you know almost flirtatious, and she's got a big smile on her face. She's right. feeling good. She goes outside and sees her neighbor yeah. who survived Michael Myers' attack yeah. and gets called out. Why are you laughing? Why are you smiling? What well, you got to be smiling about? Right, knocks her back down a peg. Yeah, and so you see those two parts of the storyline running parallel to each other, and they go hand in hand with each other because it's like, ultimately, how do you escape the curse of Haddonfield? Yeah. How do you ultimately escape the curse of Michael Myers? How do you break that circle, that cycle, that whole entire process that keeps repeating over and over and over again? How do you get away from that? Yeah, and the only way to get away from that is to kill the evil. The representation of evil in your mind and in Lori's mind. And that's, like you said, this is where it's always been. It's been right there in, in Lori's hands, the storyline yeah, and her boogeyman. I, I think seeing that in, in the different ways that they use storytelling points to push that story along. Look, I get it, man. I understand why people are disappointed. My daughter, <laughs> my daughter watched it and she told me, she was like, she goes, don't waste your money. I'm like, really? She's like, it sucked. <laughs> I, I like, felt that way too. Yeah, she, she's like, it sucked. I'm like, okay. And again, like what we've grown accustomed to doing right. on our show, right. what's the story? What's the story? What's right. the story? Don't get caught up in all the other shit. What's the story? And yeah. I'm following the story and I'm like, shit, this is actually pretty good. I'm like, I'm, I'm getting, I'm understanding. I'm seeing the correlation. I'm seeing how it works together. Even like the, the dialogue between Lori and Corey yeah. when they're in the house, yeah. just that back and forth. I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, I, I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get why. I, 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 I think I, I don't this... get the backlash on this. And but I think you're right. I think it has to do with the preconditioning of yes. what we expect from a Michael Myers Halloween film. This movie fell victim. This the the roundout, the third one, like yeah. the Halloween ends, fell victim to the icon persona that Michael Myers had been blown up to. Right. Because we just have in our head. The big bads. We talk about them all the time oh, yeah. on our Halloween yeah, episodes. Yeah. You know, you, you've got Jason Voorhees, yeah. you've got Michael Myers, you've got Leatherface, you know, you got Freddy, uh, you yeah. know, and it's like, do they ever die? No. And right. I mean, it's, it becomes a, almost a tongue in cheek laugh because, oh, there's a reboot coming up. You right. know, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's basically the same freaking story being told over and over again. Yeah. Just of course, then we complain about it. Yeah. Different and, and window just, dressing. And if we're really honest, most of us just go to watch the kills. That's really everybody. That's what everybody wants to see. And that is really fucking twisted. <laughs> it is. It's the truth, though. But you and talk that's about why... showing a mirror to people's faces, man. Yes. Like, yes, that is really fucking twisted. It is. 
It is, but it's a reality of things. People go because they want the car crash. They want to see the car crash. They want to see all that. But like I've been driving home the point, especially on this little side table and what we do on our show all the time. I'm all about the story now. Give me the story. Yeah. Because truth of the matter is, if you just want car crashes, then I would fucking love Commando. Never say that again. And I don't. (laughs) Right. Because the story in Commando is garbage. Yeah. Is it an A plus from an action standpoint? Absolutely. Blow shit up. Great. Bravo. But what's your story? Oh, it was crap. Okay, cool. Doesn't do anything for me. Now, as we're sitting here talking and thinking about this, do you think it would have been better for those that love story and for those that love the killing, so to speak, with regard to this trilogy, do you think it would have been better if they had swapped the stories from Halloween Ends and Halloween Kills? Like if they had taken the storyline with Corey and that whole thing and made that the second movie and then had it lead up and lead up to that interaction with Lori in the house. So like after the first film, Michael disappears. And then, so it's been four years, but then the Corey storyline builds up and then Michael returns. And then you have all the craziness at the end. Do you think that would have worked? Or do you think they needed that hysteria from the second film to drive into the third one? Man, I think if they, (laughs) it's an interesting, the unfortunate thing is, uh, see, cause you asked me that and my brain goes to like two different directions. Okay. From a storytelling standpoint. Yeah. Yes. I think so. Okay. Cause you have your, your first act, your second, and then your third act. Right. The third act is the crescendo, right? Right. From a movie going standpoint. No. Because then it wouldn't have brought people back for the third one. The third one, people would not have even watched it. Because they would have been so turned off by the second one. Gotcha. So I think they almost had to, and it sucks. It sucks because people are stupid. (laughs) (laughs) But it it, it sucks. I mean, because we're in this mechanism. that We we talk about all the time, that dichotomy between the movie business and industry and reality. Right. Yes. I think from a storytelling standpoint, they could have had Corey's story in the middle. And then that's what like brought Michael yeah. Myers yeah. back yeah. into it. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. To where then, you know, he, he's going after Lori. Um, Cause that would have been an interesting way to end the second one. If they had done that with Michael Myers out of nowhere, killing Corey. Yes. That would have been insane. Yes. I don't know. There, 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 there's something that could have been done different, maybe on that, but there would have to be a lot of reworking of like Lori's story being out in the woods and stuff like that. Yeah. So then, it, I mean, well, her daughter lived in town. So I mean, that it, honestly, Lori's daughter and granddaughter, that whole storyline of being connected with Corey, yeah, before they're killed, right? Yep. And then Michael Myers kills that whole family, yep. And then that's what brings Lori to, because Lori's out in the woods, yeah. That but, I I could see I if they'd have to rework that yeah but I could definitely see that being a uh, holy shit stuff's about to get real the unfortunate thing though is what is going to put butts in the seat from a movie standpoint and I don't think that dip that we felt in the the Halloween right. ends I don't know they might have been able to brought it back to a point to where people are like oh shit we well, gotta go see Halloween I've end. always said that as long as you have strong creative writing you can basically convince people to come to your movie if you're good. Right. Look, we're doing all this little fantasy kind of, yeah. you know, <laughs> with a storyline here. It is like some fantasy screenwriting here. Right. 
we're doing this in fun just, you know, because we're in this pocket of the conversation, but I just want to go ahead and say it. I enjoy the trilogy as is. Okay. I enjoyed it. Yeah. From beginning to end. I understand the backlash just because of the points that we have said. Right. But for me, from a storytelling standpoint, I liked it because they had to drop you down to bring you back up for the end. Right. And we mentioned Nightmare on Elm Street. We talk about the big bads, Freddy Krueger. Yeah. I liked that the way that they ended this was kind of like, in a way, like a callback and an homage to kind of like how Freddy was killed. Yeah. Originally. Because that's what happened. They found out that Freddie did all these horrible, horrible acts, and the town basically came together. Right. Like, all these people, all these families came together, and it was like, no, you're not doing that. Right. And they took care of him and, and put him away. Of course, right. you know, he got locked in hell and evil and all that shit. And <laughs> and that's where Nightmare on Elm Street started. But, but I like the idea of this town coming together to see the end because you see a part of it in the second film, everybody coming together. Like right. we're not, we're standing up. We're not going to do this anymore. But then he pushed back and it's like, how do you kill the evil? Yeah. But then now the evil is dead and they all come together to see that he's dead. Yeah. I like that. I, I like seeing that because then it's like this collective sigh of relief from the town. It's like, okay, we can move on now. Finally. Yeah. When I first left Halloween ends after eating my, little uh, kid's box of popcorn and candy and spent $5 on a ticket. And I thought, man, I overspent, you know, that's how I, that's how I felt when I left. And I think honestly is because I went in with the mindset that most people do when they go into a Halloween movie, you went into Halloween ends expecting the beginning of Halloween kills. Correct. And there was no way that they were going to be able to top that. The the beginning of Halloween Kills is probably, from a cinematic standpoint, from a storytelling standpoint, from an action standpoint, from just a horror standpoint, it's probably one of the best scenes ever shot. Yeah. Like, seriously. They did such a fan-fucking-tastic job with that opening scene with the firefighters going to Lori's house. <laughs> dude, and Dude, it was, it was insane. It we was didn't even insane. Get, yeah, we didn't even do a side table for Halloween I know. Kills. We didn't get to do a side table for that. We but, might have to do, like, a dude director's cut. Like, we might have to do the trilogy. We, we might, should. We should probably do a dude director's cut for the trilogy. We should. But the beginning of Halloween Kills? <laughs> holy shit. Yes. Insane. Yeah, that entire sequence. Yes. And that I think that's where I was like, and I'm I'm known to talk about Leatherface, right? Like right. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yep. That's the movie I go to for my slasher movies. Right. Michael Myers, I think, is like knocking him out. Like based off of that Halloween Kills, man, I was just like, holy shit, man. Yeah. He's definitely like toppling Leatherface for me as far as uh, those slashers. It, I think it's a fantastic character. It, he is, and I, I think that. Again, I think we, you know, I fell victim to what everyone else falls victim to because right. I was wanting to go eat popcorn and watch a Halloween movie. Right. And there was a story being told, and it was Lori's story. Yeah. They were rounding her story out. Yeah, I think that's a very important distinction that needs to be made for people that are fans of the Halloween films. If you're going to watch these, this trilogy, this new run, you're not watching a Michael Myers film. Right. You're watching a Laurie Strode trilogy. Yeah. You're watching the culmination of her story that started 40 years ago. Yeah. Is what you're watching. Yeah. And I, I think I think if you have that mindset going into it, then you have a 
greater appreciation for what Blumhouse has done. Right. And well, especially whenever you watch this film, because you, you you do get to see those different shots that they add in from the original Halloween. Like they did a really good job of tying it all back together, especially over this trilogy. They they do all these little callbacks to these previous characters right. that were in the original Halloween. And they just build and build and build and build. And I, again, like I said, probably sound like a broken record at this point. I get the backlash on this. I do. Yeah. I, I get it. Yeah. It's all based off conditioning that we have for Halloween. Yeah. And I get that. I understand that. But I think it's misguided to a point. Yeah. I understand it, but I think it's a little wrong. I think if you just focus on the storytelling... I think you can't be disappointed if you just focus on the storytelling because I think what they did in this was different and it was creative. It was a way to scratch the itch on both sides. Yes. Well, and it's funny you say that because we talk often about how Hollywood can never come up with anything new. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And I mean, a lot of people will complain about that, right? Oh yeah. This is a prime example of them coming up with something new. And then people being like, fuck you, I don't like it. And they don't like it. Yeah. But it also makes me wonder, is this opening the door for the other horror franchises to actually hone in and focus on the story more and kind of round <laughs> things out? You know what I mean? It would be nice to see that. Now, here's the thing. They did, and we've talked about it on here before. I brought it up, the original Nightmare on Elm Street. We covered that, what, the second year of our Halloween specials? Yes, it was the second year. On that special, whenever we covered A Nightmare on Elm Street, watching it for the first time, I had already seen the reboot. Okay. And I talked about the reboot, yeah. and there were aspects of the story that they covered in the reboot that was not in the original that was supposed to be a part of the original. Right. Specifically with the fact that, yes... Freddy Krueger was basically a child molester. Yeah. And they didn't cover that in the first one. They they did a, a kind of a quick pivot because they felt that was a little too dark at the time. Right. So they changed it. They altered it. But in the remake, that was the basis of the story. The reason why no one liked the reboot is because it wasn't Robert England. And that's almost the same argument as why no one liked Halloween Ends. Because it's not Michael Myers slashing everybody up. It's yeah. the same argument. No one liked the reboot of... A Nightmare on Elm Street, because it wasn't Robert England. But if you watch the film for the story, it's pretty terrifying, and it's pretty good. Right. It's actually really good. And if they would have given it a chance instead of just spitting it out because it's not Robert England, and just let it run, you could probably do two or three and have a nice little franchise out of it, and it would have been some really good horror films. Because they did focus on the story. Now, they did a reboot of Friday the 13th, probably, what, 10 years ago? I haven't watched that yet. I don't know what that story looks like. I, 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 have no I haven't either, but I've heard like it was one of those that it did not do well. Right. I think from the aspect of how Jason looked and how he was in the film, so brutal and strong and all that stuff, yeah. I think because of that, that's what actually spawned them making the video game, which was a very successful video game. Yeah. But as far as storyline goes, I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I can't remember. I, I I think it was one of those because they didn't stay true to the original, if I remember right. I can't. Right. I just remember like a lot of people were like, "No, the the reboot of Friday Thirteenth was not good," so. <laughs> um, which I think is why they haven't made one since. But probably um, so. Just kind of rounding things out a little bit. I think that if the other horror icons, if we could round out their stories yeah. like we did with Michael Myers in Halloween Ends, yeah. Like this little trilogy that mm -hmm. came out. 
let's be honest, Michael Myers will always be a horror icon. Oh, yeah. Even if they never tell this, another story oh, of yeah. him. Right? No, that concept, that idea, that character will live on forever. John Carpenter created something that will never die. Yeah. In essence, you know, we joke about, can you kill Michael Myers? Well, in the eyes of uh, social commentary, no, you can't. Right. Right. Michael Myers will live forever. Yeah. So in that regard, John Carpenter did create something that will never die. And so it's pretty funny, you know, just you know, in comparison to the actual character on film. Can he die? Well, no. In our eyes, no, he will not die. Yeah, because he, he will forever live as, right. as, a, as an object of fear, right? Yeah. So I don't know if Hollywood would take notes from this trilogy yeah. and apply that to the other ones. But see, here's the thing. Will you get a pushback from people who are so enamored with the originals yes and we and we've no, run into will. we've run into this so many times talking about like hell we even ran into it with carrie just <laughs> yeah. watching the original yeah. carrie yeah and then watching the reboot of carrie and how much better the story was yeah and how much better the story looked and was presented but you still have people like no I, the original is way better well why is the original better because of your nostalgia right take that out of the equation and just look at it for what it is that's what I'm saying. Like, if you take... So you have Halloween, the original. Yep. And then you have the the new Halloween. Yep. It's not a reboot. No, it's and that's a that's kind of what... At first, everybody's like, oh, they're just rebooting it. No. No. It's a continuation of the story. Yeah. And I think if you did that with all of the... Going off of the original and the way the originals ended. Yep. And building from there. And rounding out that story with each of those. I think then you're one, you're, you're paying homage to... What started it all. Right. But like you're able to do kind of a reboot, but also a, a continuation deal. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like, and then you could put a bow on those. Then there's not this expectation because that that's the, the that's the weird dichotomy anyway, is that people, I want to see more of this, but then you get upset when it's just the same old shit. Right. <laughs> right. It's true. It's true. It's Which like, goes to the whole point that you can't make everyone happy right. ever, Jim. Right. right. It, no one so, can be happy in yeah. this life. So it's like, oh, I know Jason's going to, he'll, he'll, he'll die, but then he'll be back the next time. You know, it's, it's just like, it's like with Michael Myers. Oh, I know he'll be back the next time. Okay. I don't know how he's coming out uh, now that he's hamburger. But, uh, <laughs> Got a Haddonfield special going on, ladies and gentlemen. We got those Michael Myers patties. Maybe, maybe that's how they 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 rebooted from here, right? Is someone's eating a Michael Myers burger or something? I don't know. Uh.